think there are a number of insights that we've gleaned from this. And so we're going to again look at landing page optimization as a function of creative incentives. How to select and implement the best possible incentive. We're all familiar with the concept of using incentives, such as uh, product discounts and free gifts or free shipping. But rarely have we done the kind of research that allows us to think through the true principles and the mathematics of developing highly effective incentives. And uh, we're actually looking for the incentive that provides the maximum profit. And many of us have just really tried an incentive. If it worked, we kept it. If it didn't work, we abandoned it. If we felt uh, brave, we might try a couple more, but eventually we just determined that the right incentive is not there for the product offering. I want to suggest to you that based on our research, in almost every case that you neglect to use an incentive, you are costing yourself money. We're going to explain to you how incentive is used to overcome friction, how friction is built into courses. I'm deliberately timing this delivery with uh, this section for many of you that are in our certification programs. This will have some overlap. Of course, the certification program is, is much longer than this session and more comprehensive in that regard, but we do want to bring in truly rich, valuable information that will heck help you uh, in this phone call. Walk away and say to yourself, okay, I know what I'm going to try next on my given website. So. We we need to look at two critical things that are vital. One of those is ROINC, or return on incentive. We have a way that we calculate that that we'll teach you in a little bit. And more importantly, there's something else called the PVD. And I just I may not get to lay all of that out, but it's something that we've tested. It's something that we've developed internally here, and it's uh, unique to our methodology. But calculating what we call PVD, perceived value differential, is the absolute key to selecting the right incentive. With that in mind, I'd like to begin immediately with a test or a case study on an experiment that we conducted. And um, let's get to the details. It was a 22-day experiment for a computer products retailer. The goal was to determine which incentive would be more effective in an email capture pop-up window. Now, let's not, <laughs> let's not talk about email capture pop-ups. We have tested those, talked about those, and you can read on our site all kinds of information. Most of you are familiar with marketingexperiments.com. Let me just point out for you that there's more than $10 million of research there that you will not have to pay anything for, and uh, it's not an upsell or a cross-sell. It's just information from our research that you're welcome to as we all learn together how to market more effectively on the Internet. And there's some things there regarding pop-ups, and as we know, they can be very negative. They're also very, very effective, done properly, done politely. In this particular case, and in this particular day and age, it's hard to use them. So the key is not so much the pop-up as it is the actual result of the test itself. And here we were looking for an offering, a special offering. And uh, we wanted to induce the customer's cooperation with an appealing offering as an incentive. And it had to have intrinsic appeal, which meant it had to have enough perceived value. So we essentially tested two different components. You might ask yourself which incentive was appealing enough to prevent abandons and valuable enough to get computer products or computer product consumers to give up their email address. So here's what we're after. We're after an email address, and we're going to give you a choice, an MP3 player or a keyboard and mouse. Now, 
I'm joined on the phone call today by a number of our staff. Uh, there are analysts and researchers and support groups that work with us here, and and uh, but the director of optimization is on the line, uh, Jimmy Ellis, who is um, just uh, you know incredibly capable. And and Jimmy, feel free to jump in, and you can talk about this experiment if you want to add any input or feedback. But what I want to do right now is invite the audience. And I'm not sure Nick Osborne may be on the line, and there are many others on yeah. my staff uh, that may need to jump in if they have thoughts that will help us. I'd like, first of all, though, to get your vote. So you've done this before. I see a vote already for the MP3 player. Uh, I see two for the MP3 player, one for the keyboard mouse. MP3 player, MP3, MP3, keyboard mouse, MP3, 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 MP3. Keyboard, mouse, MP3, keep keep them coming. We're tracking. There's uh, hundreds of people registered for this call, and I'm watching as, as you start voting. Continue to put them in. Clearly, um, MP3 is winning at this present moment. Uh, as those come in, uh, I have something that's not in my notes. I don't get paid to tell you this. I have no connection with this group, but I want to recommend a book for you. It's not in my notes. It's uh, it's Dick Benson's book, and it's a classic. And if you're thinking about incentives, you might want to read this. Dick was one of the pioneers of offline direct mail years ago. He lived in my area, and uh, his official name was Richard Benson. He was considered one of the greatest direct mail experts in the world, and you can learn direct mail through the Internet. And I think I just found the book, The Secrets of Successful Direct Mail. I don't sell this book. I don't have it. It's not a, this is not an advertisement. But I was thinking about this as I'm teaching, and Dick talks about how they worked to develop the best incentive for offline work, and nothing seemed to outpull digital watches at one point during the days of uh, direct mail. And you may want to get the book. It's really, it's really quite good. When Dick, Dick lived in Amelia Island, which is not far from where I am here, when he... When he died, um, a friend of mine oversaw the entire funeral and so on, and, and they had so many private jets fly into the Fernandina Beach Airport in the island that they, they clogged the airport up. The reason is that so many executives who Dick had made so much money for were so grateful that they, they literally just flew in from everywhere. What is the ideal incentive? Dick knows that's key, and it was one of the critical things he looked for when he was trying to put together an offer. You voted. My little homily on Dick was a time to, really to give you a chance to uh, put your votes in. All right? And I shall now. Oh, if you're wondering how you vote, just use the chat feature. Some of you are new to the call, and uh, we probably need to make that clear. It's, it's the question and answer feature, actually, on your screen. You can see it. Click on question and answer and type in your vote. There you go. Yeah, that's more of you coming in. Good. All right, well... Here's the deal. Let's look at the let's look at the actual results. So here we are. Keyboard and mouse converted 219% better than the MP3 player. Shocking, I think, uh, because really the MP3 has a certain sense of value. Uh, I, I think if you voted for the MP3 player, you've probably got good marketing instincts. There's probably nothing wrong with your marketing instincts. You just, I think what's happened is the market has been flooded with so many cheap MP3 players and also so many people 
I mean, if you have one MP3 player, you absolutely don't need another one. Keyboard and mouse is different. Uh, I just think the perceived value of the MP3 player is, has, has dropped even as the uh, perceived value of the digital watch has dropped. I, I'm not suggesting to you that that's really the reason. I don't know the reason. I just know how to test. And uh, we tested, and there was a 5.7% difference. Our 500, I mean, if you look at the note, it's uh, 5.71 to 1.79. That's a 219% improvement. Jimmy Ellis, if you're available, just speak up. Interrupt me. Yeah, I'm here. Absolutely. Jimmy, you were involved in that test, weren't you? Yep. So what was the big surprise for you? What did you expect to be the, the winner? Um, Can you just give us a little background? And speak a little louder, Jimmy. You seem far away or hard to hear. Absolutely. The 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 thing about this one is actually, you know, we didn't show you all the specific details, but it was just kind of the the concept of these two products. The MP3 player is actually a higher dollar product as well. I think it was over $150, or the keyboard and mouse I think was about $79. Um, what we what we did after this test, just letting you know, is we matched up how popular these products were in in, in regards to sales after we ran the test and we realized that we had more sales for keyboard and the keyboard and mouse than we did the mp3 player um so one of the interesting things about that would be that the quality of traffic or, or the the traffic coming to the site was almost more likely to buy the keyboard or, or to to want the keyboard and mouse because more people were buying that keyboard and mouse so, so one thing you know an interesting point would be to say you might want to look at your top selling products to see what the most likely uh, good incentive would be related to those specific top-selling products, especially for an e-commerce. But that, I think that was pretty much the, that, that particular That's, that's the point, Jimmy. Yeah. And, and, and Jimmy brings up something. Look at your top-selling items, and, and you want to be careful you don't cannibalize your top-selling items when you're getting away. Yeah. It, it's how you do it. It's how you present it. You don't want someone to put off the purchasing decision until they discover whether or not they have won. But on the other hand, using the search feature internal to your site and using uh, the search engines as a separate laboratory and then using your own top sellers list, you can start to sometimes determine the, the best incentive. Jimmy's information is vital. Let me just point out that it points the need out to understand the principles of perceived value differential. That's where the real issue is. That's why the keyboard and mouse outperform the MP3 player. I may not know this exactly what was in the thinking of the person, but I know the conclusion of their thinking based on an understanding of, of PVD. So let's just relate this for a moment to the MEC conversion index. And if you look, this is a familiar formula. We teach it in our certification program on landing page conversion. There's a many there's a number of other formulas, but this one we've we've popularized and I minus F is incentive minus friction and I can't delve too deeply into this right now, but you've got to understand that every single sales process has an inherent level of friction. Every time you ask the customer for something, you are annoying that customer. Now, this is different from anxiety, which is what A is about. This is about friction. Friction is a function of several key elements. We teach this later. I can't get into it now, but the reality is there are certain things you do, either because of the the amount of it or the nature of it, your request becomes uh, friction. When you ask someone for a credit card, you're certainly incurring friction. The point here is you're not going to be able to eliminate friction in the sales process. All you can do is minimize it. And by minimizing it, you can often get a 2 or 300% jump. 
But what do you do when you've minimized friction as far as you can? Well, you have to maximize incentive. Incentive is your counterbalance to friction. And if you're not using an incentive in your sales process, even if you're satisfied with your conversion ratio, you're leaving money on the table. Now, we all know examples of free white paper or ebook, which, by the way, has a very low perceived value unless the content is especially rich. A product discount, complimentary product or accessory, free grip, free shipping. You know, free shipping is one of the most powerful, underutilized, misunderstood keys in uh, you know, online e-commerce. Uh, online e-commerce is my new attempt to be redundant with my speech, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll allow you to use either one of those words in front of commerce and, and continue. The truth is, free shipping is, and we've written about it. You should read some of our briefs on it. We've discovered that if, you, if, you, if you're very strategic about how you use free shipping, you can push up your average value per customer. Jimmy, I know you could start talking on that and talk for the rest of this session because you've done some very interesting experiments in that. Bottom line is you need to understand how to use incentive to counterbalance friction. I'm going to assume that you've already been taught how to minimize friction, and I'm going to take you to the other side of the equation, which is the point of this particular program, and that is to teach you how to maximize incentive. So with that in mind, let's look at a test, another case study. Here we conducted an experiment for a large subscription-based site. So we looked at a retail site, now let's look at a subscription site. And the objective was to recover partially completed but abandoned orders. So they started the process and they left. I don't need to tell you that Internet research tells us that as much as 70% of all orders are abandoned in the cart, which is tragic. I mean, even if your number is 30%, which would be very low, I think 50% would be average. When people have spent that time investment, and when you've invested in getting them there, and you literally may, if your customer acquisition is $22 and you spent $22 to get them to the cart, and now they don't purchase, you've really lost significant money, and you ought to spend more of your efforts trying to recover those abandoned carts and trying to go out and find new customers, because you'll have a greater gain on your terms of profitability if you can do that. It will reduce your overall CPA, your customer, you know, your acquisition. Now, so we worked through a series of emails that we have developed in a lot of testing. These are really effective. I remember in one test, we recovered 6,000 abandoned orders. So in this particular case, we sent two basket recovery emails. One was one hour after they failed to complete the order, and the other was 24 hours. And that we established credibility with a customer, providing specific information about their experience on the site so they knew it wasn't spam, so they knew it was about their order. It comes from customer service, not from sales. It has a polite, helpful tone, not a hyped sales tone. We provide a link and clear directions to complete the order. We restated the product and services that the customer would be purchasing, made it very clear. Average conversion was about 7%, and you know that's exceptionally high. Most of you have less than 2% conversion on your websites if you're running an average site. And I'm not, you know, that can vary widely depending on the kind of product that you have. Let's look at the actual email itself. So here's the email. We got a 7% conversion. We were pleased. The merchant was incredibly pleased. But we said, I think we can, we said, we think we can beat that. So we, we wanted to test a second 24-hour basket recovery email that offered a 33% discount. So we had done the one hour. Now comes the 24-hour later. 
And in this, we offer a 33% discount. And so here we are with that discount. And here's the email that went out. And I want to ask you to vote again on how you think this affects conversion. I will tell you that I'm really asking you for a negative or positive percentage. And, and be realistic. Tell me what you think the 33% discount produced in terms of a conversion increase. So I'm watching those come in right now. Positive by 10%, says John. 2%, says Naomi. 125% puff, says Jack. I see uh, a negative increase, 119%. I wonder who came up with 119%. How creative. Uh, a 60% increase, plus 3, plus 10, plus 15, plus 5, plus 20, plus 3, plus 14. Uh, 8, minus 14, plus 10, minus 10, plus 10, plus 50. 10, 100, 300, minus 12, 21, plus 10, plus 50, plus 6, plus 15. Someone said, won't people in the future figure out they can always leave their basket in 24 hours they'll get a discount? Not really. Because the only people that figure this out are the ones that, you know, have uh, left their, have, have, have placed the order and abandoned it, and you've lost them. There's a chance that they may do that again at some later point, but we've never seen it as a significant factor. And the rest of the world doesn't know because they completed their order. And frankly, only a tiny fraction of the Internet has figured out how to do this right. All right. So here's the, here's the, here's the results. What happened? Let's see. Let's see. All right. You should look. Conversion went in the original emails at 7.1. In the incentivized email, it jumped to 43.45. The difference of increase was 512%. So it nearly doubled the net revenue of the other two emails combined. Jimmy, you were in on this too, weren't you? Yep. What were your thoughts on this case? I mean, give us a little more information on this. Um, were you surprised at the at the difference? We we uh, we were I, I would say we were shocked because I remember when we were doing this the, the net revenue to this company company on a monthly basis just based on changing making that third email with the incentive uh, covered the cost of their research partnership per month <laughs> so it was it was thousands it was thousands of dollars and it was it, you know this is one of those things that is in my mind so simple and easy to implement. For, for most people, that it's almost a no-brainer. And not that it's set it and forget it, but you can do this after recovery, and you can offer some sort of incentive. And, and I, I don't – there's been very few times that we've, we've either seen no result or negative result. I don't think I've ever seen a negative result on an incentive, especially in, in basket recovery. Um, but it was just, you know, only by trying these things out and testing them are you going to realize what kind of impact it's going to have. And I'm willing to bet probably – I would say at least half the people on this on this phone line have never even tried an incentive with their offer, if I had to guess. Flint, how well, Flint, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, it's good. Nick's good to hear your voice. Go ahead. Yeah, I was I was thinking. I mean, this this gives us an insight into the nature, I think, of, of shopping cart abandonment, because we 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 kind of see it as a negative when people abandon their shopping cart, and of course, it often is. But what the people the people who do that are we, we, you know, you've done so well to get them there. They're so close. And then there's just something in the shopping cart that 
there's just too, like you say, too much friction or too much anxiety. Or, or sometimes, Nick, they just or, get distracted. Or a phone calls or someone comes to the yeah. door or, or the dog barks. So when you get back to them with an incentive like that, it's, it's like a lot of these, there's a percentage of these people, because of their frame of mind, because they were so close, because they really wanted to make a purchase, you just have to give them a little nudge, just a little push, and, and you got them. Particularly, as, as was done in this case, where where you can provide them with a link right back to their shopping cart. You're not asking them to start over. You're yeah. making it simple by saying, click here, and we'll take you back to where you left off. And I, and I think that has a significant effect as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, we're going to move on, but I just this is an FYI. If you take what we're just talking about in this one section of this of this uh, today's lecture or clinic, and you apply this to your site, um, it, it, it's one of the most effective ways you can dramatically boost your own uh, revenue. And we have tested it over and over and over again. And and Nick is right, Jimmy's right, and it's almost I feel like we're giving out secret sauce, but that's what we do here. I mean, our job is to test, figure out what works, and communicate it to you. So. Uh, have at it. And if it works for you, send us an email and let us know what you're doing. Let's move on. This is a very important chart. It's kind of ugly. It looks like clip art to me, but it isn't. We built it here. The geniuses, the scientists, and the designers at MEC collaborated over a period of, <laughs> I don't know, it took them a month, and built this beautiful chart. I think I think on the left is a funnel. That's what I think that blue thing is. And uh, it would be appropriate if that's a funnel. Bottom line is you're using the incentive to tip the balance against friction. You've got to understand how those two come together. Now, I teach a lot about friction, and, and, and there's a lot of elements underneath it that we don't really understand. People aren't – it's amazing to me how primitive the Internet is in understanding some of these key things. Incentives have not been thought through, and neither is friction. And uh, we do some of that in the, in the courses. Let's, let's look at incentive – deeper now as we think about how to maximize the incentive opportunity. All right, so here we go with a problem that I see over and over again, but I want to stress it to you again. You've got to test your incentives. There is an ideal incentive. Until you find one that gives you a major boost, you must assume you've not yet found the ideal incentive. This is not a question of try the incentive, and if it doesn't work, move on. So many times this is what happens. We think that we try a couple, it doesn't work, and so incentives don't work for our site. Incentives will work. Human nature supports that theory. The real issue is have you tested enough to discover the right one? Let's look at a little bit more that will help us understand how we develop that. So in this case, we conducted a 37-day experiment for one of the world's largest online news services. Our objective was to increase the number of subscription sign-ups for a financial newsletter produced and distributed by their service. Let's see how we use incentives in this case. We'll look at both pages. They provide a related incentive for signing up for a free trial. You can see there in the slide, they're rather small. And I don't know if, John, you can increase the size of that. You probably can. If you can zoom it, zoom it. But essentially, and by the way, you're going to get all this in the briefing that we send out. And you can link to the website. And you can read it in the plain text email, but you can also go to the website and see the whole report online. That, you know, we send out these reports, I think you probably know by now, two a month. And um, in any event, the first incentive is a New York Times best-selling book. The other was a 12-page investment kit. Now, 
I like when I hear from you, and it helps me as I understand how you're thinking. There's some questions I'm going to start to answer, by the way. I see those coming in, so if they're not a technical question, I'll do my best to try to help you. What I want to invite you to do right now is tell me which one, the best-selling book or the 12-page investment kit. Now, if you don't get it right, I'm going to say I understand that because you can't really read about the book and see it real clearly, but this is the idea. Is a book better or the investment kit better? All right, I'm reading Chris's book, kit, book, book, kit, kit, kit. 12-page investment kit, 12-page investment kit, 12-page investment kit. Book, book, kit, book. You're running, it feels to me like you're running about 50-50, although maybe the kit is start, starting to outpace as the, as the votes are coming in. I'm going to let those votes come in. You just keep voting, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take a moment to look at a question. Uh, someone asked, over what period of time did we save those 6,000 carts? Jimmy, do you know what period of time that was? Uh, I actually did not run that specific test once. I know who it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it, I thought it was a uh, like like three months. It was a short. It was shorter. I, I think than it was three months, but it ended up saving over forty thousand carts. And they, uh, you know, I don't know the grand total, but I think the first test was 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 three months. Uh, someone asked, "Is there a legal issue with selling the same product at a different price to the same target audience? Not if you handle it properly." Your legal group should know how to do that, but we've been through all of this because obviously when you're working with the New York Times or Reuters, you have to have all of these things covered very carefully. Um, no, I, as someone else said, if I was a customer who paid the full price, I'd certainly not be happy knowing I could have gotten a 30% discount if I had just bailed. That's true. And, you know, you need to think through. My article on transparent marketing talks about how we treat the customer. For us, this was just a test. But you do want to be certain that you're being absolutely fair to all your customers. Um Someone said, I already have discounted my products. I do not have a 30% markup to offer the customer. What do you do then? Well, I, that's what this whole whole session is about. We're going to talk to you about how to develop the ideal incentive. So we'll come back to that. Let's go look at the actual results on this. So you voted, and uh, I appreciate it. Let's see what let's see how we do here. Well, this is the free ebook. It resulted in an 80% higher conversion than the investment kit, or the free book, not an ebook. The book outperformed the kit. I think most of us probably have a good idea as to why. It probably had a higher PVD, perceived value. Now, that doesn't mean perceived value differential. In fact, it may not, but it had a higher perceived value, and we'll talk about that as we continue. But let's find out. So if we measure the value of an incentive by its impact on the bottom line, then we can determine the best one using conversion rate alone, or can we? I mean, if we offered the incentive of a free sports car with every paid magazine subscription, clearly we'd be able to sell magazine subscriptions, but we probably wouldn't be able to sustain the marketing campaign. So how do you define, how do you measure ROIC? Now, I'm going to get a little technical with you, but allow me to do that. Remember, if you don't follow me, you're going to be getting this in the mail anyway, email. Uh, there's a simple formula, ROIC equals PN minus CN. And that's where ROI equals the total return on the incentive, and PN is the net profit impact from the incentive. In other words, how much more money did you make by offering the incentive? And then CN is the net delivered cost of the incentive, and that's, all right, how much did it really cost you net to deliver that incentive? Once you know those two numbers, you simply do a subtraction operation, and you can say, okay, well, this incentive is worth X to me. The ROIC equals X. And... We're going to help you figure out what that looks like. 
and we're going to apply it to this specific situation because part of developing the right incentive is understanding. It's, it's gaining a solid understanding of how to adequately calculate ROIC. So to explore the concept, we'll use the same conversion rates from the previous case study. Assume that we offer, or that the main offer without incentives converts at 0.67%. So here's the offer without any incentives, 67%, or 0.67%. Now let's calculate the ROIC of the free book. So here's what we need to do. Notice down there that, first of all, the traffic is 100,000. Conversion to free trial is 67%. We got 670 signups. And of those trial signups, 75% converted from free to paid. So the net is 503 subscriptions. And then if we offer the book, following the same logic, 100,000, we see an increase in conversion of 1.28% over 0.67%. So we have now 1,280 signups, but the conversion from free to paid does not drop. It remains at 75%, which means by offering the book, we get 960 instead of 503, which is a net difference of 457. Now, once you've got that kind of thinking clear, let's go back and let's just break it down. Let's look at the next slide and talk about how we would apply this information. Well, let's assume the net delivered cost for the book is $17.50, wholesale plus shipping. And we know the incentive generates 457 additional units per month. So now we simply do this. What is the PN minus the CN? What is the profit impact of the additional units? How, many, how much more money do we make from these 457 new units? And that money needs to be, you know, we need to subtract from that money how much it really costs us to deliver them. Now, we know that there's $37.50 worth of value for this subscription, so we multiply that by 457, and then we take the cost of the book, which is $17.50, and we multiply that by 1,280, which is the number of, of books we have to deliver, and essentially, we can determine that we make an extra $5,262. The ROIC on this particular offering is 5262. Now, there's two ways to calculate this. And one of the ways to do that is so that you end up essentially with a percentage. And that's a very useful number, particularly when you're thinking about short-term cash flow. But in the end, the most important number, and we teach both, and we talk about them in our certification. In the end, the number, though, that you want to know is how much more money am I making because I offered this. So we've chosen to teach you one way right now as opposed to the other way, and this is the main way that you need to use, and this will help you if you're thinking about how valuable an incentive is. And for some of you, this is elementary almost, but there's more. Bob wants to say something? Go ahead. Yes, 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 yes. If I wasn't clear on that, Bob Kemper, who is uh, the, the director of our certification curriculum and is on the line and and is just making certain that I was clear that you're looking at a negative $5,262. So the ROIC in the book is, you know, I mean, it, it resulted in, in 457 more units, 
But as you can see, based on the chart where John is pointing with a pointer, that's still the net yield is a 5262, but that's a negative yield. Which brings us to the next part of the calculation. Using the same methodology, let's calculate the ROI of the free investment kit. So now, the free investment kit moves conversion, essentially, just look at the net numbers down there. A couple of things that are important. No incentive is 0.67, we know that. Kit incentive is 0.71. That doesn't seem like a lot. But if you trace it all out, it yields 533 as opposed to 503, which means you get 30 more subscribers for using the incentive kit. hope you're following me on that. One of our one of our deeply uh, deeply experienced uh, or incredibly experienced marketers has suggested that we should give away puppies as an incentive. Clearly, he's a man with a lot of uh, marketing experience. And uh, uh, for those of you that want to try that, please email me. Let me know how it works out, would you? Uh, in the meantime, look with me at the next set of numbers. This is a little technical, but it's worth it, isn't it? I mean, if you can follow this, you can quickly figure out what your incentive should be. Here you have an ROIC of essentially 130. And you can see how we calculate it, the same way as we did the other. The the cost is so much lower for the shipping of the book, the, the little kit, as opposed to the cost of the book, that essentially, though, you have a much smaller gain you still end up with a positive ROIC of $130 as opposed to the negative ROIC of more than 5000 Now, let's just look at the difference. If we only factor in the conversion rate for the two incentives, the free book incentive yield is 1,423% higher on net revenue impact than the investment kit. Are you following that? Look at the chart. So it looks very attractive. The difference is very high. However, and Bob, if you feel like you want to jump in at any point, you'd be my guest, friends. However, and you need to, we'll, we'll come back to this slide. Let's advance one slide. If we factor in the delivery cost, then we get a completely different number. So look at the two, look at the bottom line. The difference here in this next slide is 5,393.50. Now you may just be a bit confused, so hold on to the next slide and we'll try to get it real clear for you. Here's what you need to understand. Although the free book converted 80% better or higher than the investment kit, the high delivered cost caused it to be unprofitable in the short term. The difference is the, net, is, is the 5,393.50 that you see here. It's the difference between $131 in the positive and $5,262.50 in the negative. Now, that still may not be the best answer because you might ask yourself, what's the lifetime value of a customer? What is the long-term ROIC? And, and there you might see that the book actually turns out to be positive. But between the two, during this fixed interval, the kit is the better incentive. Although I will tell you right now, it's not the best one. And you still need to figure out, well, then how do I calculate the best incentive? And that's something I want to talk about for a moment, but I want to just give you a second to ask questions. And, Bob, is there anything you want to say to clarify things? Yes, thanks, Flint. Um, 
the uh, the only comment I might make at this point is that uh, you know what we've calculated here is um, uh, for a um, for a one month uh, period for you know the uh, initial period we've calculated the short time or the immediate uh, term ROIC um, and if you've got a subscription offer in particular um, and there are you know there's a residual uh, revenue stream you know there's a residual uh, profit that goes on um, after the initial incentive is um, is offered then. Uh, the ROIC for month one um, is this and includes the cost of, you know, the net delivered cost. Um, but if there's a continued profit stream, then that uh, that additional um, uh, order uh, subscription will continue to pay off for uh, for many months thereafter. And uh, and how much will depend upon the uh, um, the uh, average uh, lifetime. You know what the uh, retention uh, is. You know number of months retention on the average. Uh, uh, order. So uh, you would calculate uh, this is the immediate term or short term, and then in the long term you would calculate uh, the say the say your average retention is 12 months. Uh, you would calculate that uh, based upon um, the first month with the cost included, and then uh, months two through 12 at the uh, um, at the monthly net net profit, and uh, and that um, will tend to add up. So it, it doesn't look particularly um, uh, exciting to see the first month, uh, you know, uh, kit incentive at $131. But um, you know, a large part of that is because, um, uh, you know, as, as you can see, it's $1,125 uh, net revenue impact. So it's $131 because it costs you something to to uh, deliver that. But um, um, but for the second and subsequent uh, months, the um, the additional revenue stream without the cost of delivery uh, will will continue on. So that will tend to add up. Yes. All right. Now, here's the key. I would suggest that what we see from this case study is that someone has found an incentive that works, but they haven't found the best incentive. So what would you do next? How would you determine? I mean, if you don't have a methodology, what you're going to do is just keep trying things, and one may work and one may not. You need a way. And the the answer, and we'll look at kind of the beginning of this in this next slide, but the answer is to understand the perceived value differential. Through testing and applying this methodology, we found that the incentive for the highest conversion rate does not always yield the highest net profit. Is there a way to evaluate prospective incentive offers and consistently identify those with the greatest potential? I think so, and I'd like to, I'd like to share a little bit of that with you just now. Now, if this seems too mathematical, it's going to get a little bit – I mean, I know that wasn't that deep for most of you, uh, but where we're going is, is – it can be gold for you. So let's just look at it together. The secret to identifying offers with high return potential lies in a concept called perceived value differential. PVD is the difference between the perceived value of an incentive as it's experienced by the customer and the net cost to deliver the incentive. Now just stop there for a moment. You need to understand something. Friction and incentive do not occur on a web page. They occur in the mind of the of the consumer. They they occur in the mind of the prospective customer. If you think about friction and incentive purely through what you're offering on your web page, you cannot get the right sense of what to do. You'll miss it. You won't have the right feel for it. This is something taking place in the mind of this person. On the one hand, they are, they are, there's something they want, 
but they're required to do something in order to get it. And they're often not sure they're willing to do that in order to get it. They're not willing to pay the price. They're not willing to drag out and look for their credit card. They're not willing to give you information that might get compromised. They're not willing to give you their email address. They might not be willing. You know, all of that is there, and it's happening inside of their thought process. And what you're trying to do is solve the problem in their thought process, not on a web page. If you understand that, you can start to craft something. And part of that is locked up in this critical word, perceived. Perceived is, is, is in itself suggestive of something taking place on the level of thought. What you're looking for is an item, an offering, that has a much higher perceived value than than its actual net cost. So an incentive that costs $10 per unit but has a perceived value of 49 is better than one costing 15 but has a perceived value of 30 And frankly, by doing a simple calculation, you can compare the two and figure out which one is the best. Let's look at some examples. Now, I, I need you to... I, I actually need to stop here for a moment. I can take the next 15 minutes and comment on some of your incentives that you've sent to us or that you send to us right now. Or I can take the next few minutes and actually break down perceived value. I have uh, less than 15 minutes remaining. Take a moment and respond to me, would you? Would you vote to me and tell me what you'd like us to do? Everybody's saying perceived value. Okay. All right. I'm going to do more. All right. So let's look at perceived value then. It's very difficult for me. Every time I do one of these lectures, I, I have uh, a fraction of what, what we have to deliver we can actually deliver in, in a session. So I'm glad you want us to do that. We'll, we'll keep going. In the meantime, the one thing you can do for us is tell your friends and, and help us continue to build the community. I, I need the largest community of online marketers and testers talking to each other so we can actually learn. I don't think the competition hurts us. I think we can all learn from each other. I regularly lay out information that should be confidential. It's patented. It's the kind of thing that you can, you know, sell in services and keep to yourself. But I, I'm not. I, I want you to know. I want you to learn. And I need you to help me learn and invite more people to participate with us. Let's go on. So let's look at this example. We're trying to find the, the ideal incentive. Here we're offering this free one-half pound of freshly roasted gourmet coffee. The estimated perceived value is eight, but the net delivered cost is two. PVD equals six. That's simple, isn't it? Eight minus two equals six. The, the, the perceived value formula is, a, is, is a, a simple subtraction where you subtract the net delivered cost from the perceived value. Let's look again. Here's the thermos. It's a steel thermos. The estimated perceived value is $15. The net delivered cost, however, is just 3 What's the differential? It's 12 That's a high perceived value differential. And now, the question you have to ask is, will the perceived value equivalent to $15 be enough to overcome the friction element that's inherent in my cell process? Let's suppose you're trying to get people to sign up for an email address, and all they have to do is give you their email address. Just the, the chance to win something might accomplish that. 
And there are other things like that that may make a difference. But a key question here is understanding how much perceived value you need to generate in order to overcome your friction. And that's not something that that is as difficult as it sounds. Instinctively, I mean, if you've got a if you've got someone who you want to um, purchase, uh, you know, a minimum of $100 on your site worth of goods in order to maintain the right return on your pay-per-click investment, then the way you structure your shipping offer should have a high perceived value, high enough to move them from their current average order price of $80 to $100. How do you get everybody to spend an extra $20? Well, the key is to offer perceived value that it's in excess of that $20. So what is the perceived value? Now, someone's asking a question from my own staff, and it's a good one, and they say, how, come, how, how can you get a $15 perceived value when the, the ad says it's a $24.95 value? Well, it doesn't matter what the ad says. The perceived value of the customer is likely going to discount what you say it's worth. You say it's worth twenty four ninety five. The customer doesn't believe you. So if the customer's already paid twenty four ninety five for it, if everywhere else they can buy it in the world is twenty four ninety five, that's why discounts work because they know a discount's based on a real price. If it's a thirty three percent discount and it's not being offered normally, it's good. If you're offering discounts constantly or always, or if your discounts don't seem real, or if you inflate the the, the, it's like when you go to buy a car and they tell you what the sticker price is and they're going to give you a deal and nobody in the world believes you're really getting a deal on that. So it's a smart question, but you better recognize that your customer doesn't always believe you when you tell them something's worth twenty four ninety five. Now, there are some things we've come to associate a value. For instance, we all expect that a CD with uh, Nora, is it Nora Jones, Nora, you know, it, 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 we, we expect it's worth, you know, fourteen ninety five or thirteen ninety five. And if you offer it to me for seven and it's got thirteen songs, I believe it's a real value, because I've got friends by other marketers to pay a certain amount for CDs. Is by DVDs are superb incentives, is because the world has taught us that you got to pay anywhere between nineteen and forty nine dollars for a DVD. I mean, Blockbuster's trained us that, and all these other people have trained us that, but you know and I know that we can produce that DVD for sometimes less than a dollar delivered, depending on how we deliver it and what format. And it's, 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 sometimes there's a real high you know, perceived value with a, with a DVD or with a piece of software. I mean, that's what's the Internet business. Now, things have changed, but, you know, software has such a high perceived value at some point, and yet the delivered cost was so low, particularly for downloads. And that, some of that's changed because of economics, you know, uh, the way markets mature. But still, there's value there. So, let's look at PVD. If the two incentives are equally desirable to target prospects, then what do you want to do? You want to choose the offer with a higher PVD. See that? So which one would you choose here? You'd choose the one on the right, if they're of, they're, if they're equally desirable. One of the things you want to think about too, when you're figuring out your PVD or when you're calculating what you want to use an incentive, is often you'll want to use an incentive that doesn't cannibalize your sell of your existing product, but closely relates to it, so that, 
so that the the customer who is willing to go for that incentive is also qualified for your other offerings. For instance, you know, sometimes when you're using a sign-up or a sweepstakes, you give away something completely unrelated to your product. Only do that if your product is completely boring and nobody really wants it, which I'm afraid is the, is the case for some of us. You know, give me a trip to Hawaii when 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 my product is a travel product, travel-related product, you know, whether that's luggage or a, a travel service. But don't give me a trip to Hawaii when my product is computer consulting service uh, because essentially you generate the wrong kind of leads in the incentive process. Now, incentives, by the way, can be used to generate leads just as well as they can be used to generate increased sales. So let me just stop. In the last few minutes, I'm going to let you ask me questions. We're, we're really down to the wire. I have four or five minutes left. Now, you have differentials on your PVD of two, three. But let's just go on. Um, let's just go on and let's talk for a moment. Um, go to this page, slide 32. There you go. Uh, these are some key fundamental principles, and I'm going to let those up on the screen, and I'm going to look at the questions you've been sending to me. I'm reading your questions. Keep going. What is your favorite shopping cart software to do basket recovery? Uh, there is none. We've had to build our own every every time. Now, some of the e-commerce programs have started to incorporate it because we've recommended it, I think. But uh, if you have some good recovery software, send it to us. We'll look at it. We may tell people about it. Uh, we only recommend the product if we're not getting paid for it, by the way. We don't we don't take any, um, uh, you know, we, we're not affiliates of any kind of product that we recommend. We, we think that's would skew our... Uh, academic uh, distance from the actual recommendations. Um, how much does the company pay for the thermos compared to the bag of coffee, someone asked. That's absolutely the right question. So you'd use what you'd have to do in that. Well, I mean, we know that, I think, from the from what we've already figured out, the differential in the cost. You can see that in the, in the, in the previous uh, slides that we laid out for you. And uh, you'll see it in the notes that we'll send to you uh, earlier than that also. Essentially... The bag of coffee costs two dollars, and the uh, thermos costs three. So there's a dollar in the difference there. And uh, what's the next question? What works well as an incentive for a service provider? Good question, Jan. Uh, and and what about ebooks and and white papers? Let me talk about those. You need to hear about white papers are not dead. Neither ebooks. You just have to do them right. Let me just mention, first of all, though, about the service provider. One of the best incentives you can provide is some kind of introductory offering, but if it feels like it's a complimentary offering that doesn't really help you, it's a complete waste of time. Here's the deal. Don't try to trick people. Give them something that's useful. You know, if it essentially give them a free hour with you or a, a consulting service or, or give them something that you've built or written that's really useful, quite helpful for them. Deliver them something. I, I'll give you an example. You log on to this call, 
And you know what? I'd like you to take one of our certification classes. But we've been doing these clinics long before we ever had certification classes. And we did them free. And we're still doing them free. And and the reality is we're trying to deliver to you a real value. We could have easily made this a teaser, talked to you about a few of these things, then got on there and hawked our certification classes and tried to get you to sign up. But I just don't like any of that. I just feel like if we keep delivering value, people will realize that. And some of them will come in and take classes or, they, or we'll do research partnerships with them or something of that nature. But the, 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 the truth is you'd all quit showing up if all we did was tease you. And I have seen so many vendor-driven online web clinics that are nothing more than sales pitches. And who wants to invest an hour of their time unless you tell them up front, this is what it's going to be, and if you're interested in this kind of service, we're going to explain how it works. At that point, you're getting qualified people who want to know all about the product. But it's being transparent about your motive. So if you're a service business, give them something that really helps them. And, and typically, it ought to be a service or a product connected to the service, like a book. The best thing you can give them if you're a service business is a book written by you, a real book, published. Even if you self-publish but do it professionally, uh, it conceives, it just builds influence. Uh, and influence can be monetized. Um, webcasts, like we're doing right now, is this the highest PVD, somebody asked. They asked that, I guess, before I said that. I, I don't know. I mean... I've been doing these before we ever had a certification offering. And if you go to our site, everything's on it's free, except maybe the certification class, just a link. All the research is there. But you know what's happened in the industry? We've built such influence, and our lists are so big. And everyone, now if I mention something that's for, you know, people really, I think, I'm hoping we're building trust. Uh, in the end, we're going to keep trying to deliver value. And uh, let's go on, though. How, how do you offer incentive for, or for how long campaign should this one last? What works best for B2B offers? That's, it's too general a question. Ask me a specific one. I'll try to answer that. Let me go back to the e-books and white paper question. The fact that you're delivering an e-book in itself has absolutely zero interest to anyone. So you have to spend time building the content of what's in the e-book if it's going to be an effective incentive. The problem with that is you can't sell two things on the same offer page and sell them well. If you have to sell the ebook's value at the same time you're trying to sell the offering that the ebook is an incentive attached to you're going to end up with conflicting objectives if however there's already uh, a certain kind of education that exists about the quality of information in the ebook if for instance a liberty branded ebook somebody's name is attached to it that people trust or it's a quantity or quality or package of information that people are familiar with then you can sometimes use the ebook very effectively same thing goes for white papers I think white papers are better than ebooks in many cases because of uh, um, it's they sometimes deliver a higher quality information load. Ebooks have been used a lot by that substandard class on the internet that are hawking everything they can with lots of hype. It's not always the case, and I'm not trying to be negative on you if you've used an ebook. I've I've done ebooks. It's just you know doing them right. Um. I'm looking for any more. Okay. All right. So um, there is that there is that issue for you, and I would suggest that we probably need to stop. I'm being told my time is up, and I'm just getting warmed up. 
you're going to see some of us, you know, I guess most of you know that we've bought Marketing Sherpa and we're working closely over there building out their case studies and it's a lot of work. It'll take us two years to do all that we want to accomplish together with them. But together with all that they have and all that we have and with their good team and, and our team, there's a lot we're learning together. I mean, I think this community that's around between Marketing Experiments and Marketing Sherpa and all of you who are listeners, I, I think we can double the effectiveness of our marketing together on the Internet. And, uh, you know, we need your thoughts and your help on those things as as as, as we try to build it out together. And uh, I, I mentioned that to say that, uh, you know, we have these summits. They're national summits now that we we, we conduct with Marketing Sherpa. And so a lot of us will be there. And, and perhaps we'll get to meet you at some of those summits as they come up, you know, the B2B conferences and the email and subscription and so on. All right. Well, listen, thank you. Uh, thank you for your comments. Some of you have written some very nice things just now, and I, I appreciate that. One guy signed it, some guy, but he said nice words. <laughs> so thank you, some guy. And um, and uh, someone asked a smart question about unsubscribe rates, and I don't know the answer to that, but maybe we'll try to answer that offline. I, I'm i grateful for everyone's uh, continued attendance. Spread, you know, the one thing I, I would ask you to do is to tell a friend. That really helps us. And uh, we don't market these, comp- these clinics. We just send out a notice to our list, and I think there's a press release. But we appreciate you. We'll keep working. Next week we'll be back with more information that we'll try to use to help you. Thank you.